Morning, everyone. Really good to see you this morning. If you have a Bible, then I'd really encourage you to open with me to John's Gospel. We're in John chapter 1. If you were here last week for the start of our, our John series, well, then you know that the first five verses of John's Gospel introduce us to Jesus, even though the name Jesus doesn't actually feature, and at that point he's referred to as the Word. And, and one of the, the big questions that I'll pose to us was, what do you believe about Jesus? What do you believe about Jesus? And he said that what you believe about Jesus is either killing you or giving you life. So bear that in mind. I'm going to read the first five verses again, and then we're going to continue on, 6 through 13, and that's where we're focusing today. John's Gospel, John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness, to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And we give thanks to God for his word. If you have a Bible, then please do open up at John's Gospel, because we're really going to be thinking really carefully about some of those verses this, that, we, uh, that we read earlier. So John chapter 1. And let me pray and ask for God's help. Father, as we come to your word, we pray that you'd give us ears, ears that would hear, and hearts, hearts that would keep. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. I was, I was a student for the last few years again, and uh, one of the things that um, I came to realize really quickly was this. I came to realize really, really quickly that I could not possibly read everything that was on the reading list. I don't know if you've been a student, you get that reading list, you look at all of the list of stuff and you think, for how am I supposed to read all of that? Okay, well, I realized really quickly that I could not read everything that was on the, the reading list and remain alive. It was going to kill me, okay? The first few weeks, I tried to do everything that they had said, and I just thought, this this is just unattainable. There was me with my highlighter, working my way through line by line, okay? And it just wasn't going to end well. There needed to be another way. And so thankfully, someone gave me some advice. One of my lecturers said, you need to read the end first, okay? I don't know if you know that advice. If you, if you don't, that's, that, honestly, that is really good news to hear. Read the end first. First, read the end first and see what the conclusion is saying, because it's going to be summarizing everything that's gone before, and perhaps that might be enough. You might say, okay, right, I get that. That's okay. That is all I need. 
Or if it's something that's really new or fresh or says something in a particular uh, important way, well, then you go back, don't you? You go back and you read uh, with more depth. And honestly, this was life-giving. It was life-giving. It was life-giving for me. It was life-giving for my family, life-giving for my marriage. I mean, books are good, but I mean, um, time talking is, is really key, isn't it? I'll mention last week, if you were here, that at the end of John's gospel, John summarizes what the whole gospel, the whole book of John, is actually about. Flick with me to to, to John chapter 20. John chapter 20, and um, we're really just going to look at verse 31. Because John here, as he's, as he's talking about all that's been written in John's gospel, John says that it is written with this purpose. This is what he says. So that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So there's two big things there. Do you spot them? One, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. That's key. And then on the other hand, that by believing you may have life in his name. So we've got the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. If we were in a primary school class, what I'd do is I'd get you to get two hands up, okay? And one, every time I put up this hand, I'd say, he's the Son of God, and then this hand, life in his name. Son of God, life in his name. Son of God, life in his name. Son of God, This is pretty much like primary school, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Son of God, life in his name. Those are two key things that John wants us to focus on, and John wants us to see through his gospel. I don't know why you're here this morning. Maybe you're a Christian, and so you're here to gather with God's people to worship, as God calls us to do each Lord's Day. But perhaps you're here this morning, and, and you're not a Christian. Perhaps you're, you're here this morning, maybe because someone invited you to be part of the, the gospel uh, at the Christmas and the gospel of John series and to kind of sit in and, and to see what it's all about. Maybe that's why you're here this morning. And if that's why you're here, can I thank you for coming? We're really glad that you're here and we hope that you enjoy being with us this morning. But I wonder as you hear those two big conclusions in John's gospel, does it leave you wanting to know more? Does it leave you wanting to know more? Who do you really believe Jesus is this morning? Is he a figment of a nice Christmas fairy tale? Maybe you think he's a self-help guru that Christians lean upon in order to get through the world and life. Maybe for you it's just a a swear word. Well, John says, no. John says Jesus is actually the Son of God. He's actually the Son of God. And if John is right, well then, we have a problem this morning. And the problem is actually God himself. But we're going to come back to that in a second. Because the second conclusion is that by believing you may have life in his name. Did you spot that? Life in his name. And so what John is saying here is that there is, there is life for those who believe. And that also means that the opposite is true. There is death for those who don't. And that's, that's really the thing that brings us back to the big problem. <laughs> the big problem being God. 
You see, a holy and just God has to punish sin. The Bible says that we've all sinned, and so we all deserve punishment from God. We all deserve death, not life. See, the Gospel of John is, is, is really not one of those books that you just read the conclusion, and then you set it to the side, and you think, well, this really, uh, it's not that important, okay, or I've, I've heard it all before. No, the Gospel of John is one that says the stakes are really, really high in the conclusion, and you need to go through every word of what I've said to make sure you grasp it. The stakes are really, really high. This book says it's a matter of life and death. And so what I want us to do is to, to do just that, to set ourselves to working through carefully what John has to say and to think about matters of life and death. And today we're, we're kicking off in, in verse six of chapter one. Let me just summarize some of what was said in the first five verses last week in case, in case you missed that one. John has told us that the Word was God's, and remember, the Word that he's talking about here is actually Jesus. The Word was there in the beginning, so he was there at creation. In fact, all things were made through him. The Word was with God, so in some sense, distinguishable from God, and so already we're kind of getting a glimpse of what we understand from the rest of the Bible to be a Trinitarian God. Now, that's a mystery. You might have never heard of anything like that before, and you're thinking, I don't even know what that is. That's okay. We can come back to that. And in this word was life. And we're told that the life was the light of men. All life stems from this life. But you could also say that like a light, he, he shines a spotlight on humanity and exposes our sinfulness. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. That was the good news that we finished with in verse five. Darkness has not won. And so look with me, verse six. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. And now, if you're like me, you might think this this completely comes from left field, okay? Here we've been learning all about the word and the light and all of this talk about Jesus, okay? And so we might expect the next verse, Jesus to appear, okay? But no, who pops up? This time, John. And you're thinking, John, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to appear at this point. It's supposed to be Jesus. And what are we told about John? Well, John is a man who's sent from God. So he's like one of the Old Testament prophets. In fact, Jesus himself refers to John as a, as a prophet, and I also noticed something slightly strange, okay? Something slightly different than other Gospels, if you've, if you've maybe read Matthew or Mark or some of the others. Notice that John just calls John, John, okay? Do you see that? No qualifications. You might know John here as John the Baptist, but John doesn't call John, John the Baptist. John just calls John, John, okay? And the reason is that this is the only John that gets mentioned by name throughout the whole of the Gospel of John. The other famous John, the disciple, John, the son of Zebedee, he never features by name. You see, John, the disciple, is actually the author. And rather than proudly plastering himself throughout the gospel, he much more humbly hides himself in the gospel. He hides himself in it. Oh, if we pay attention, and we will pay attention as we work our way through the Gospel of John, we will see that he appears. We'll see that he appears, but not in such a way that he 
he tries to take the limelight. No, and in fact, John the author always puts the limelight on Jesus, always on Jesus. And in fact, the next verse shows us that it's not just the case for John the author, but also for John the Baptist. Look with me at verse 7. It says, he came to witness, to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. And so I wonder, do you see that? Do you see that? John's ministry was really, really one of a great big deflector. That's what he was doing. A great big deflector. He was always pointing to someone else. That's John. Always pointing to someone else. Always pointing to Jesus. Well, look with me how many times that word witness appears in verses 7 to 8 alone, okay? We see it three times. John is a great big witness. He's saying, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. And just in case there's any confusion, just in case you might have heard, look at Jesus and thought, was he saying, look at John? <laughs> Well, just in case, the writer makes it explicitly clear, doesn't he? Verse 8, he was not the light. Just in case there's any confusion, he is not the light. John is not the light. But he came to bear witness about the light. So why introduce John here? Why does John pop up at this point in John 1? Well, for one reason, it reminds us that Jesus came into the world in flesh, in real-time history. We can kind of get so sentimental with our Christmas cards, can't we? All the scenes in the stable that night in Bethlehem that we can almost forget that this actually took place. This was a real-time event. It took place in history. Jesus was born in a particular place at a particular time. And so we here in, in Rich Hill Presbyterian, we're not trying to convince you of some sort of make-believe story this morning. No, we are wanting to witness to the reality of who Jesus actually is. And in John's gospel, John the Baptist is one of the characters who will journey with us for a while, pointing us to the reality of who Jesus is, putting the spotlight always on Jesus. For some of you here this morning, this is, this is not ta- the first time that you've maybe explored the, the Christian faith. It's maybe not the first time you've thought about it. Perhaps you, you've attended meetings somewhere else at some point in time. Maybe you were brought up in church, and for whatever reason, you, you rejected it all. And actually, maybe the person who was, who was up front really put you off. We can do that, can't we? We can put people off, yeah, absolutely. Uh, maybe, maybe they actually made it all about themselves rather than about Jesus. And as you watched on, you could see right through that. You could see this is all about them rather than about Jesus. For those who preach here in, in Rich Hill, don't claim to be sinless. I'm not sinless. I don't claim to be sinless. But I know that for Al and I, we want to be like the two Johns that we meet in John's gospel. We want to humbly stay in the background, like the author of the gospel, and we want to bear witness to who Jesus actually is revealed in the scriptures. And so can I encourage you to keep coming. Keep coming. Make, make Sunday mornings here a Block booking going forward. We're just at the very start of John, and we're just, going to, we're just going to be dipping in, but we're going to be working through this for a long time. Can I encourage you to make this a priority, to work through it with us? This is a matter of life and death. It's really, really, really important. We're going to be looking at how John is a witness 
to who Christ is and how life can be found in him. Verse 9, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. See, John is at pains to show us that Jesus is not just one of a number of good ways to get us out of the mess that we're in. Maybe you're here this morning and formal religion isn't really your thing. The fact that you're here in a church, you're like, oh, this is quite bizarre. I never expected to be here. And um, well, you know, you quite like the idea of there being something bigger, but formal religion, you're not really into all of that. And, and you're more of a, you know, everybody just figure it out for themselves kind of a guy. That's, that's more how you see things. You think it's up to each individual to kind of figure out their own way through. You do you and I'll do me. What John wants to say to you this morning, you are not the source of your own light. You fumbling around for for life without without the light of Christ is going to be absolutely pointless. And it only ends in one place, and the one place is not life. You need to hear that this morning. Jesus is the true light, which gives light to everyone and was coming into the world. Verse 5 really highlights that the light was coming into darkness, okay? Light was coming into darkness. You see, the darkness is not just speaking about uh, nighttime. It's not like just going out in the dark night and thinking, well, this is the darkness that Jesus came into. No, it's, it's speaking about moral darkness. And the reason that we're in such moral darkness is actually spelled out in verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Here is Jesus, and John tells us he's actually the creator. That's who Jesus is. He's the creator, the one who made us. He's already told us that in verse 3. If you glance back up, all things were made through him. And he reminds us about it again here in verse 10. The world was made through him. Just to be really clear. It's not just talking about the world as in, you know, the physical earth, the stuff that we stand on. No, it's, it's talking about the world and everything in it. And that includes us. Okay? Jesus is the creator of all that we see, and that includes me, and that includes you. And yet, what was our response? What was humanity's response? Well, we see at the end of verse 10, yet the world did not know him. They did not know him. Here doesn't mean that they they just didn't recognize who Jesus was. No, no, they recognized who Jesus was, and they said, no, I don't want to come under your rule. They recognize Jesus, and they say, I don't want to know you. I don't want a relationship with you. I don't want to come under your rule and your reign. They refuse to know God in the sense that he was to rule over them. And yet, as the creator, that was his right. That's what they must do. And so, spiritually speaking... Humanity says to God, stuff off, I'm going my own way. I'm doing things the way I want, not the way you want. And I'm not coming under your rule and your reign. Boys and girls, often we talk about sin, and that's what sin is. Sin is whenever we say to God, God, I'm not coming under you as king. I'm rejecting you as king over my life. I'm doing things my own way. I'm going to be king. I'm going to be king. And the scary thing is that left to our own devices, we will never know Jesus. We will never know him because we will always choose to reject him. 
We will see the light, but like a parent who has a, a, a toddler who comes in way too early in the morning and switches on the light, what do you do? You just, you, just, you just recoil, don't you? You keep your eyes closed as tight as you possibly can. Left to our own devices, that's all we'll ever do. When we see the light, we'll keep our eyes really tightly closed. Verse 11, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Jesus came to humanity, the very people he had created, breathed life into, and what's hap- what happens? They say, hold on there, stop. <laughs> You're not ruling over me. We see it back in the garden in Genesis 3, and it's been the story of humanity ever since. Spiritual death as a result of the fall. And what should the creator do? What should the creator do when his creatures have chosen to reject his good word and his good rule over them? Whenever his creatures have said, stuff you, God, I'm going my own way. I'm rejecting you as king. I'm going to be king. What should the creator do in, those, uh, in that instance? Well, what the creator should do is the creator should punish them. And so death is what each of us deserve because of our rebellion. Death is what we deserve. I mean, this is a pretty bleak picture, isn't it? I mean, you came here this morning in the bleak midwinter, feels like where we are. (laughs) We're in very, very bleak situation, aren't we? For all the talk of Christmas lights, if we stop here at verse 11, today we would be going home pretty gloomy, wouldn't we? Because we would see that humanity is lost. And by rejecting the light, we concoct all of these ways that we think loves our neighbor. We, we try to do it by rejecting God's law and apart from God's law. And so we look around the world, and the world is in such a mess. Why? Because everybody, everybody tries to do what they think is right in their own eyes. Rejecting God, rejecting the Creator, rejecting His ways, and saying, no, I, I think I know what will love my neighbor, and so I will do this. The spiritual death which came upon humanity at the fall was accompanied also with physical death, wasn't it? And no doubt, each family knows the painful reality of what it is to have a table at Christmas with an empty seat. So is there any good news? I mean, maybe you've been invited here and you're thinking, oh, this is not really what I wanted on a Sunday morning. Is there no good news? Feels like all the joy and all the light have just been sucked out of my Christmas. And then we read on, verse 12. Look at this. This is, I mean, you need to look at this. Look at verse 12. But, but to all who receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Do you spot that? I mean, don't miss the buts in the Bible because they are so, so key. His own people didn't receive him, but, but, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name. You see, there would be some, there would be some, not all, but there would be some, some who would believe, some who would receive. And notice those two words, they're gonna keep coming up again and again and again in John's gospel, believe and receive. In other words, some people would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, They would accept that they are living in darkness, that spiritually they are in great need of being rescued and saved, and they would receive all that Jesus came to offer. And what was it? What did he come to offer? It says he 
gave the right to become children of God. Children of God, remember, right back to the start when we looked at the end, at the beginning, I know it sounds a bit confusing. What were the two things? Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life in his name. He was the Son of God, and you might have life in his name. You see, by believing and receiving Jesus is really God's Son, then you get new life, life as a child of God, and there is nothing, nothing more precious than becoming a child of God. Because as a child of God, you get to know God as your heavenly Father. The relationship that was broken is now restored. You get to live a life reflecting the light of Christ, His Son. You get welcomed into a family, which isn't just for whatever days you have here on this earth. No, this is a forever family that you get to be part of. And yes, we continue to live in a world of darkness, but we have a sure and certain hope that one day Jesus is coming back, one day he's coming back, and will bring all of God's children into his new creation. And his new creation is one where there is no darkness, only light, only light. And so here's the last question. How do you become a child of God? How do you become a child of God? Well, boys and girls, let me ask you a question. Did you get to decide who your parents were? The answer is no. You didn't get a choice. No one asked you. Of course not. You didn't get to decide if you came along. They got to decide, or at least as much as they did under God's sovereign rule. And it's like that with God's children. You only become a child of God because, well... Because God does something. And that's what John makes crystal clear, isn't it? These children of God, they are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. In other words, what John's doing is he's stacking up these three ways that it is not. It's not some physical, natural way that you're born. No, no, no. Rather, it's a supernatural rebirthing that takes place. And who does it? God does it. That's what we're told. God is the one who does it. So in one sense, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, then there's actually only one person who can change that, and it's God. He's the the only one who can ever bring about a rebirthing. I can't do it. You can't do it. The person who brought you can't do it. Only God can do it. But God can do it. He can do it. He's been doing it throughout history, drawing more and more people into his family as he gives out the gift of believing and receiving. Believing and receiving Jesus. So don't miss the fact that you must believe and you must receive. Hear the call today to believe and receive as it goes out. To become a child of God, you need to be birthed by God. Yes, absolutely. But if someone wants said this, the mechanism that God uses to bring about this rebirthing is believing and receiving. Believing and receiving. And so can I ask you this morning, can I ask you, after listening to the witness of of the two Johns, are you a child of God? Are you a child of God this morning? What are you doing with the light? Are you accepting the light or are you 
Are you rejecting the light? Are you believing and receiving Jesus Christ as the Son of God? Are you enjoying life in his name? And if you're a believer this morning, are you like the two Johns? Are you focusing on witnessing to Jesus and telling people about who he is, the Son of God, and that they might have life only in his name? So our prayer this morning, that God in his grace might move by his Spirit to bring many to life as we work our way through John's gospel together. If you've got questions, come and chat to me or, or to Al or, or someone here who you know is a Christian uh, afterwards. Please don't go home w- without getting some answers to those. If, if, you're, if you want to talk things through, then please do that over tea and coffee. Let me pray. Father, thank you for Jesus Christ, your son, the true light of the world. And Lord, as the light shines, it exposes our sinfulness. It exposes our natural rejection of the light and our desire to remain in the dark. And yet, thank you that you can do a miracle in our hearts, bringing them to love the light, rebirthing us, and enabling us to become your children. Oh, Father, what a privilege that is. Lord, there is so much that John's gospel witnesses to us of Christ Jesus. And so I pray that each of us We'll make it a priority to be here each week, week in, week out, to benefit from his witness. Lord, even today, might you be bringing more people into your family, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.